Welcome to High Cheese with Daryl Maloney. Today is Friday, September 23rd, 2022. And I just want to go to breaking news. And this comes from John Solomon and his uh, website, Just the News. And he also has a, a TV show on Real America's Network. And uh, a lot of you are familiar with John Solomon. You used to see him a lot on uh, Fox News before he ventured down on his own. And what Solomon is breaking is news on Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's attempt to help China obtain energy assets in the United States, oil assets, natural gas assets. And they were attempting to do this through obtaining drillers of oil, U.S. drillers of oil and natural gas. And apparently this is in 2018, 2017, uh, Hunter had one of his um, you know, so-called LLCs in negotiations with China to to do this. And the interesting thing is that there are this information came to Solomon through two whistleblowers that are ready to testify in front of Congress once the Republicans take over in November. And again, Solomon goes on to say that one of the whistleblowers is willing to testify that Joe Biden was involved with this negotiation. So with that said, I want to go to a clip, and this is with uh, Congressman James Comer. And Comer is the ranking Republican on the House Oversight Committee. And once the Republicans take over, he will likely be in charge of that committee. So with that said, let's go to a clip. Solomon is interviewing Comer, and then we'll come back and discuss. Well, what we know is that Hunter Biden's company, Hudson West, was negotiating a deal with the Chinese energy company, CEGC, to not only purchase American natural gas, but also to try to start purchasing interest in American drillers for natural gas so they could start to take control of the American natural gas industry through the drillers. Now, now think about this, John. The president has sold our strategic oil reserves to China. And now we find out that the president's son was working to try to get China's foot in the door on natural gas. Can you imagine if something happens and uh, China owns all the drillers and we run out of natural gas and, and potentially have a gas shortage, but we don't have any strategic reserve because it's all gone to China at the hands of the Biden family? Uh, but what's even worse is with this company, Hudson West, uh, we also learned that Hunter Biden was communicating with the Chinese to uh, have office space in Washington, D.C., and he needed four keys. He needed one for himself. He needed one for Jim Biden, the president's brother. And get this, he needed two more, one for Joe Biden and one for Jill Biden. So this wow. is starting to prove that Joe Biden was involved directly with Hunter Biden's shady business dealings with our adversary, China. Now, thank goodness Joe Biden's crackhead son, Hunter, was likely too cracked up to put this deal together. But imagine if they did. And think about it. Right now, there is a high probability that the U.S. can go into armed conflict with China over Taiwan. And you think about if China owned a significant amount of the drillers that produced natural gas and produced oil and say we started a war, and say those drillers just decided to shut down, which could choke the supply 
of gas and energy to our fleet in the Pacific, at least temporarily. Now, we could send the military in to take over these drilling sites, but still, that takes time. And do you really want the United States in a situation where they're going to war and oil drillers and natural gas drillers aren't cooperating with the country because their loyalties are to China instead of the United States? Think about that. This is dangerous. Joe Biden is a corrupt politician. He's an urban Democrat politician that is corrupt, cares only about taking care of himself and his family at the expense of the people he is supposed to serve. And this is what we have. And he's going to be exposed come November. I, I, I want to talk about another important thing that happened this week, and, and it had to do with Putin in Russia. Putin in Russia announced this week that he's going to call up 300,000 troops to serve in the Ukraine war. 300,000 troops. Now, let's put this whole thing in perspective. You've got about 200,000 Russian troops that were on the border of Ukraine prior to the war. And those troops were able to capture about 20-25% of Ukraine. So Russia now holds, you know, about 20-25% of Ukraine. So what do you think's going to happen to Ukraine once Putin throws 300,000 troops into the mix here? It's only going to get worse for Ukraine. And then I hear these oh, these psyops in the West, you know, the CIA controlled media. They're out there saying, "Oh, this is this is Putin showing his weakness. He's got to throw 300,000 troops into Ukraine. He's showing his weakness. How is that showing your weakness? He's got the ability to call up another million troops and put it in perspective. What's the size of the Ukraine army? 250,000 active duty? You know, maybe a bit more. What's the size of Russia's army? Over a million. Now, common sense will tell you that those aren't good odds for Ukraine. Now, what Putin also announced is that he is going to have, uh, well, there are going to be elections in these eastern regions that were taken over by Russia, the Donbass region and the Luhansk region, as well as the southern areas of, the, uh, of Ukraine that were uh, taken by Russia in this war. So what they're going to do is they're going to have elections to join Russia and become part of Russia. You know, put this in perspective, you know, there has been fighting in the eastern part of Ukraine for years and years. And that fighting was between those citizens in Luhansk and Donetsk that identified with being Russian versus the Ukraine. And they were called separatists and the, 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 the Russians were backing them in some cases. I'm sure there was some support that Russia was giving these uh, uh, separatists. But they are going to have elections, and they are going to vote to become part of Russia. And I'm sure Russia is going to accept them. But here's the chilling thing. Putin said that Russia will defend its boundaries by any means necessary. More than exact words. But what his exact word was, take me seriously on this. I am not bluffing. So you think about what's going to happen. 
and you've got the Luhansk region, the Donetsk region, that 20% or 25% that Russia has taken already now becomes part of Russia. So what do you think is going to happen if, say, someone from the Ukraine army now shoots a artillery into Luhansk? Now they're attacking Russia. You're now attacking Russia's homeland. And that's an escalation. And that's an escalation that Putin indirectly says he could use nuclear weapons to defend himself. And then you have Zelensky out there. Zelensky's making speeches that says that the West and the United States should nuke Russia before they even contemplate using nuclear weapons in Ukraine. So you have Zelensky, yeah, I want a preemptive strike on Russia. We're going to have a preemptive, I want the United States to shoot missiles, shoot nukes into Russia if they consider using nuclear weapons in Ukraine. And this has all been created by the West and Joe Biden. So we're now getting dictated to by the third most, the head of the third most corrupt country in the world, Ukraine. He is now dictating to the West that he wants us to nuke Russia. This is the predicament that Biden got us in, NATO got us in, and they still have the nerve to say, oh, Russia's losing. And again, I am not sticking up for Russia. And then I got a report from Tucker Carlson the other night is that um, apparently there was a peace deal early on in this war, and the United States put a kibosh on it. I want to know why. What's the intent? And what really concerns me, what is the intent of these incompetent people? And what is troubling, and I'm not saying there's a a high probability that this will happen, but it's probably on the table with these globalists. These globalists are losing. They're losing around the world in elections. As again, I mentioned Sweden, Italy's election. Populists are taking over the conservative party in Canada. We've got our own upcoming elections in November. And if there's any indication that the globalists are losing, just take a look at those three items right now. And these people love chaos. And once they know that they've lost, they'll create chaos. And what's the ultimate chaos? Nuclear war. And they're perfectly comfortable with it. And the reason they're perfectly comfortable with it is that they don't care about you. They don't care about me. They care about themselves. If they feel personally that they can survive a nuclear war, they don't care. Let the unwashed people get killed. Let the unwashed people get obliterated into ash. And that's what's concerning. So just remember this. Who's who's pushing the buttons here? One side is bad. The other side is bad. And we need to elect people that are sane, that will avert war, that will avert nuclear annihilation. So we shall see. And one thing I just uh, find really ironic is the, uh, the banter I hear from the talking heads in the Western media about the elections in uh, Donbass and uh, Luhansk and how they're going to be fraudulent. It's going to be a fraudulent election. But Donald Trump can't talk about a fraudulent election over here. 
but they can throw that term around when it deals with Russia. It's fraudulent. But I would like to say, where's your evidence? What would Bill Barr have to say about this? Where's your evidence? So they can say it when it's convenient for them and their position. But it's not convenient when Donald Trump says it. So we shall see. Now, for years, I've known about the corruption of health professionals in this country. And I don't think the rest of the country uh, was aware of this corruption uh, until the pandemic hit. And, you know, whether it was through the CDC or the Fauci's of the world and just the relationship between uh, a doctor and the patient, we've seen everything tossed on its head. We've seen uh, doctors sell out to big pharma, to the state, the government, big business, and to the Democratic Party. And it was quite disappointing. And since, uh, and since the rest of the country became aware of what I've known for a number of years, I like to point out every chance I can about the continued corruption of our healthcare professionals. So I'm going to play you two clips. The first clip I'm going to play is it, it's a little snippet from TikTok that I guess is you know, going around the internet. And it has to do with uh, snack food and how snack food is um, actually not that bad for you. Or if somebody likes snack food it, uh, or, or you don't like snack food, it may be a, a racist act. But my point is, is that in this clip that I'm going to play, you've got a nutritionist from Mondelez International. And Mondelez International, they're a manufacturer of cookies and snacks. And this nutritionist in this clip is saying, ah, donuts aren't that bad for you. Don't look at donuts as being good or bad. Look at them as, as being neutral. And then when you look further, is that this, this uh, healthcare, this nutritionist, this healthcare professional is pushing donuts on people. And you look and, well, you know, her, her employer is a snack food company. They make junk food. So let's go to the clip and then we'll discuss. I got us donuts. Those are so bad for you. Oh no, are they moldy? I mean, no, are they poisoned? Do, are you allergic? No, I'm just saying. Mm. You're judging my food choices based on a false standard of health again, aren't you? Guilty. Diet culture, fat phobia, and systems of oppression have created false hierarchies of food and it shows up everywhere. For instance, harmful thought patterns like earning food through exercising or that dessert is the reward for the punishment of eating vegetables. Remember that you do not need to earn food. Instead of focusing on good and bad choices, try to approach food with neutrality in mind. Now, this nutritionist and... Her name is Kira Nayeb Diop. She's self, uh, the self-described black nutritionist. And she's the one in the clip with the slight accent. You know, she's the one that says, well, food can be a sign of oppression. So if you tell, start telling people what to eat, it could be a sign of oppression, which is just bizarre. So here she is. She is the self-described black nutritionist, and on her LinkedIn page, she's a senior scientist and nutrition researcher at Mondelez International. Isn't that nice? Now, Ms. Diop, you are no better than the doctors that were used in cigarette advertisements 
in the 40s and 50s, telling everybody, ah, cigarettes are safe. I love cigarettes. You should smoke cigarettes too. And you're doing the same thing here because you sold out to mandalas. And that's disturbing. Now, the next clip is even more disturbing in my book. Let's go to the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. And this clip is from the Daily Wire's Matt Walsh's show. And it has to do with Vanderbilt University and the mutilation of children's genitals by this hospital. So again, let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. And now I want to show you what we found. And let's begin at the beginning as we tell this story. So in 2018, Vanderbilt opened its transgender health center. There was an article published in the Tennessean at the time that announced the new clinic, quoting its medical director, Dr. Shane Taylor, who said that the goal was to, quote, meet our patients where they are in their journey and help them with the resources they need. But then in a lecture during Vanderbilt's LGBTQ Health Grand Rounds lecture series, Dr. Taylor was a bit more detailed in explaining the hospital's actual motivations for expanding into quote-unquote transgender care. In fact, she said that um, she personally helped to convince the institution to make the move, based in part because uh, she claims it's the right thing to do, but also in large part because gender affirmation surgeries are quote, big money makers. She boasted that a phalloplasty, which is the construction of an artificial penis, which uh, is made using flesh cut from other parts of the body, she said that those could be worth $100,000 when you factor in all of the follow-ups that are necessary. Listen. Starting in January 1st of 
They require a lot of OR time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital. And it's all about the money for the doctors. And remember that next time you visit your doctor, or if you have a new doctor. These medical professionals, these health professionals in today's society, are corrupt. And what I mean is that maybe they're not criminal, but they're ethically and morally corrupt. And Walsh goes on to say that at a later seminar, a Dr. Ellen Clayton, I guess she was the head of pediatrics at the hospital, she lectured those doctors who may be hesitant about mutilating children's genitals because of moral, religious, or ethical beliefs. And you know what Dr. Clayton said? Dr. Clayton said, well, if you feel that way, maybe Vanderbilt Hospital isn't the place for you. How's that? Does it make you feel warm and fuzzy next time you go to your doctor? This is how doctors are acting today. It's all about the money. First, it was the pharmaceutical industry corrupting doctors with money to push drugs on their patients. Now it's into genital mutilation. The money's gone from meds to mutilation. And this is where we are today. And this has to change. Now, the good thing is I did hear that the state legislature or members of the state legislature in Tennessee are considering new legislation that would ban this, that would prevent Vanderbilt Hospital to do this. And the other thing I also think that if there are any federal monies that this hospital is getting, once the Republicans take over, take it back. They're no longer eligible for this. Apparently in Obamacare too, there's a, there's a section of Obamacare that mandates that this is allowed. Change that too. This all can be changed once the Republicans get in. Inflation can be changed. Genital mutilation can be changed. We can get peace. But the first step is to put the Republicans in in November. And I just want to continue on this theme of institutions failing the American people. The last one was about the medical institutions, the healthcare institutions, the healthcare professionals failing the American people. Now, the next clip I'm going to show you is another failure, another institutional failure, the banking system. Remember all these Wall Street banks that were bailed out with our money in 2008? Well, they're now working against us. And I'm going to show you a clip, and this was from this week's um, hearings in front of Congress, congressional hearings. And all of the CEOs of the top Wall Street banks came in for a hearing. And let me just play this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Each of your banks have published statements pledging your commitment to supporting and protecting human rights around the globe. According to the State Department's 2021 report, genocide and crimes against humanity occurred in China last year. Those crimes include arbitrary and unlawful killings by the government, arbitrary imprisonment, forced sterilization, rape, and torture of a large number of those arbitrarily detained. Mr. Moynihan, do you condemn the Chinese Communist Party for those horrible acts that they regularly carry out? 
we look at any client we do business with to the, their operations in any matter, and we make that decision. So the governmental condemnation isn't the important thing of who we do business with China. It's actually the company that we underwrite. It's client selection, as we call it, sir. Would you explain that again? I missed that. I'm sorry. I think the question is, in a, when we look at what we do in a country, it's individual clients. It's not a theoretical concept. So we look at that client. If that client's... Mr. Warnerham, with all due respect... The government of China is the Communist Party. The Communist Party of China is the government. If you're doing business in that country, you're doing it willingly under, with, with respect to them allowing you to be there. And you're doing it under their laws, which the last time you were here, one of you three actually made that comment. So if they're committing these atrocities, are you okay with that? Are you willing to continue to do business with people who are committing these kind of crosses? Whenever you say in other statements that that's a bad deal. We, we don't do business with companies that we believe are doing uh, atrocities or something like that. Uh, you're asking a hypothetical <laughs> question. You're putting the protection and auspices of this government. That's my, that's my point. Ms. Frazier? <clears throat> we, we obviously take any accusations of human rights abuses very, very seriously. Um, similar to Mr. Moynihan, we do not do any activity with companies um, that are involved, forced labor. Um, it's okay to do business with the like. government. Uh, we do do business with the Even though, even though they commit those atrocities. <laughs> Thank you. I yield back. And that was Congressman Blaine Leckemeyer from Missouri. And he held the feet of these CEOs to the fire. And you know, I, listen, you listen to Brian Moynihan. He's the uh, CEO of uh, Bank of America. He's just going through some word salad. Leckemeyer didn't understand. I didn't understand what Moynihan was saying. I don't think Moynihan did. He just didn't want to answer the question. And you notice he did not come out and say he was going to condemn China. Well, it's all about the companies. We're dealing with the companies. And Leckemeyer's trying to say, well, wait a second. These companies exist because of the communist government. And you're not going to say anything to condemn the government? And Moynihan, yeah, he's just mumbling himself through this whole interview. And then he actually got the CEO of Citigroup, Fraser, to admit, yeah, she does. Citigroup does do business with the Chinese government. And then Lekemeyer saying, well, are you going to condemn it? Are you okay with that? She didn't respond. She just stood there dumbfounded. If you can only see the video. Didn't respond to that at all. And beforehand, Leckenmeyer was saying, well, you know, uh, you, you now have morality, Mr. Wall Street bankers, because you now said you're not going to loan money to companies that produce guns. You're not going to loan money to companies that build prisons. And there's a whole list of other things that they're not going to loan money to. Well, one of the things, they're not going to loan money to oil drillers, but they're, gonna, they're okay with slavery, they're okay with murder, they're okay with funding our enemy, because it's all about the money. And just remember, if we ever get into a shooting war with China, those bullets that were produced that are shooting our children were produced with money from these banks. And at the same time, they're attacking American people and their way of life. So they're suddenly moral when it comes to attacking people on the conservative side of the spectrum, but they won't attack communist China. They're silent about communist China. 
And this is why Americans are fed up with the institutions. It's not just the governmental institutions that people are fed up with. It's the banks that we bailed out in 2008. And this is what they're doing to this country. They're funding our enemy. Just remember that. All right, let's talk about Letitia James. The district attorney for the state of New York spent three years to prosecute or try to get a indictment of Donald Trump. Couldn't do it. Failed. So she has to file a civil suit. And then she's going to make herself look even more foolish than she does when people see what she sued him for over the assessment or the value of his properties. And think of it this way. This is what she's suing Donald Trump for, the valuation of his property. And if I can just make this more tangible to us and think about it. You own a home. The town or the city gives you an assessed value of your home. Say that assessed value is $300,000 for argument's sake. But you want to get a home loan. And the banks have their own assessors. And they said, hey, your house is assessed at $400,000. I can give you a loan on that. Most people say, yeah, okay. I'll take the assessment on four hundred. dollars So somebody like Letitia James is going to come in and say, well, wait a second. Your assessment with the uh, tax assessor at Town Hall is $300,000, but you took a loan for $400,000. Well, the bank's assessor said it was $400,000. What's illegal about that? Well, according to Letitia James, Donald Trump did something wrong. Letitia James has no idea about real estate. She has no idea about the difference between assessed valuations and market valuations and how market valuations of real estate can change over time. And all she wants is just to get something on Donald Trump, to make it appear they did something wrong. Now, look, she's playing to this stupid base of the Democratic Party that'll believe anything. Oh, yeah, Trump's guilty. He did something wrong. Why? Well, Letitia James said it. And this is the funny thing, is that as time goes on and these Democrats are getting exposed and people are just get falling away from the Democratic Party because of this exposure. They're like, I'm not, I'm not believing your BS anymore. But Letitia James is still playing to those dumb people that don't believe anything that she says about Donald Trump. And what a failure. Your prosecutor, your top prosecutor, can't get an indictment after three years, and she has to file a civil suit, a meaningless civil suit, when nobody was harmed. Usually something like this happens when somebody defaults on a loan, and the banks will come back, oh, they lied to me about their... This is valuation. And this is the best that they got. And this is why Donald Trump is laughing over the whole thing. Now, look, he's got to put out money to pay for his lawyers. And again, this is part of the uh, Democratic strategy. It's called law, lawfare. They want you to you know, extract as much money as you can to hurt you as much as you can. Look what they did to Michael Flynn. But that's part of the game. Problem is, they, they haven't come up against a bunch of people that are tough, like Trump, like Flynn. So the game's up on them. The game is up on these corrupt attorneys, these corrupt institutions that the American people are fed up with. 
Letitia James has a state that's on fire with crime. And she's too busy spending all the state's resources in trying to get Donald Trump instead of trying to fight crime. And then the other thing I loved about it is that I was watching, uh, I think it was the ABC coverage right after she made this announcement. And this is a civil suit, but every word out of the talking heads and from the anchor was criminal, criminal, criminal. Very little bit about this being a civil suit. Oh, this is criminal. This could be criminal. She's sending something to the IRS. She's, she's recommending some type of criminal suit against the IRS. Well, that ain't going to happen. But every other word out of the mouth was criminal because they want you to believe this is criminal. They think you're stupid. They think you're dumb. And some of the people that watch ABC are dumb. And they will think that this is a criminal indictment, but just a waste of time by a wasted elected official. And just to note that uh, Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric were also named in the lawsuit, but this is typical for the way they work. They just want to hurt your family, hurt your kids. And again, that's what they did with Flynn. That's how they got Flynn to plead guilty originally. Remember, he was pardoned. But they said they were going to go after Flynn's kid. And that's how they work. So let's just switch to uh, Mar-a-Lago and the ongoing saga of the FBI raid. So what happened is that in my last episode, I pointed out that the uh, the judge had said that, um, you know, she had appointed a special master and she had told the Department of Justice that they had to stop their investigation and wait until the special master was finished. So the DOJ, they appealed it to the 11th Circuit and the 11th Circuit came back and said, OK, DOJ, you can uh, continue uh, with the investigation until um, further notice. And that's, that's what they're doing. Now, the special master is still doing his thing and, you know, determining whether, whether we have a, attorney-client privilege or uh, executive privilege. So uh, that, you know, we're waiting to see. Now, the, uh, Trump can, uh, Trump's attorneys can appeal the 11th Circuit Court decision. I'm not sure if they will. We shall see about that. But that's where we are uh, with this. So, again, this, thing, this is going to be dragged out. And the only thing I'm just curious about is the Department of Justice, is the corrupt Department of Justice going to jump the gun and try to indict Trump before the midterms? And that's what I'm curious. I don't think that they will. I don't think legally they'll be in a position that they could do that. And then the other thing they have to consider, too, at this point, with anything, why indict Donald Trump at all? It's not going to hurt him. It's not going to hurt Donald Trump politically. It makes him stronger. So they have to take that in consideration because they are political hacks. Merrick Garland's a hack. The people that control Garland is a hack. And they've got to realize that, wait a second, if we're going to indict Trump, it's just going to make him stronger. Why do it? And that's the thing that they have to take a look at. And that's the thing that Garland has to, or Garland will consider. He will ponder this before he does anything. Because if you are Garland, he's got to tell, he's got to ask himself, why am I going to indict this guy if he's going to come back stronger and I can look like a fool as a result of this indictment? And that's what Garland ha- is considering. I'm sure he is. So we shall see. Okay, I just wanted to talk about a couple of items before we go to the loser of the week. 
And the first thing I wanted to talk about are these suppression polls. I've always talked about these suppression polls. and said, don't listen to them. The only thing these suppression polls are going to do is they want the Republican person to get discouraged so they stay home in November. They're not based in reality. They're based on a methodology that makes the Democrats look better. And it's done intentionally. With that said, I was really surprised. I was watching Laura Ingram last night, and he had Doug Mastriano on. And right before she interviewed Doug Mastriano, she came out with this poll from The Morning Call. And it had Mastriano down by 11 points. And, and Ingram wanted to talk about, what are you down 11 points? What's going on? And I don't think uh, Mastriano saw the poll. And he looked surprised because, hey, look, my interns are telling me this thing is a tight race. And then I looked at the poll, and I was really surprised. I was surprised that Ingram would even bring it up. Let me tell you about this poll. They only interviewed 420 people. You cannot have a bona fide poll with such a low number of people. Now, I know numbers. I know statistics. I know polling. I know numbers very well. And you cannot ever get a good poll with anything under 1,000 people. At the very least, in order to get a decent poll, you need 1,000 people to be interviewed. This had 420 people. I think I've been to cocktail parties with more people. You cannot get your finger on the pulse of the people of Pennsylvania with only 420 uh, interviews. And I thought, I think that Ingram was not being responsible when she talked about this poll. Or maybe they just didn't do their due diligence on this poll. But again, read nothing into any of these polls. Now, the second thing I wanted to talk about is this poor kid that was run over and killed in North Dakota because he was a Republican. A 41-year-old man, I guess, got into some political argument with this poor 18-year-old and ran him over with his car. And he had told the cops, yeah, I did because he was a, I got in an argument with him and I thought he was a Republican extremist. And then I find out he's, he's walking free right now. They let him out on bail. Now, what do you think would have happened if the roles were reversed here? If Donald Trump went out, and think about it, let's take a step back. This is what, two, three weeks after Biden's devil speech that called MAGA a threat to democracy? And this happens? Now, what happens if the roles were reversed? One of Donald Trump's uh, made a speech and said, yeah, anybody that votes for Biden is a threat to democracy. And then some MAGA guy runs over a Democrat. Oh, my God, all hell would break loose. And this hell is going to break loose. And it's going to break loose. And I'll tell you how this is going to break loose. You have such violence in these cities, particularly New York City, that you're going to have another Bernie Getz response to the crime. And for those of you who don't, don't remember or don't know Bernie Getz, Bernie Getz was a subway shooter. There was a lot of crime in New York City at the time. Uh, this, the, uh, you know, four or five kids were either mugged him or har- was harassing him. And Getz defended himself in the subway. He shot the kids. He pulled out a gun and shot the kids. And that's going to happen. You know, I saw this guy with this axe in this restaurant in New York City threatening people. If situations like this continues, there will be another Bernie Getz in New York City or somewhere in this country, and the media is going to be all over it. You're going to have gnashing of teeth, and be prepared for this. Forewarned is forearmed. 
You're going to have gnashing of teeth. You're going to have people say, oh, we got to take people's guns away. This is why we have to do it. But be prepared for this. This is coming. Okay, now let's go to the loser of the week. And I'm not going to have a clip. I'm just going to go right to the loser of the week. And our loser of the week is... Kalissa Wing, the new Department of Defense's diversity chief. Now, unfortunately, Kalissa Wing, I think, is a racist. Because after she was appointed as the Department of Defense diversity chief, they found tweets of hers that had disparaging posts about white people. And let me just read one. And in it, she says, I'm so exhausted at these white folks in these PD sessions. I don't know what PD session is. This lady actually had the caudacity to say that black people can be racist too. I had to stop the session and give Karen the business. We are not the majority. We don't have the power. So first of all, she's saying it's impossible for black people to be racist. Well, that's not what reality is. I know black people are racist. I know I grew up with black people who were racist. So she doesn't have a sense of reality here in the first place. And then you got to question, well, maybe she's a racist. If she thinks her race is incapable of being a racist, I think that's racist. And then she went on to. And then on another tweet, she said, apparently she responded to a user and says, I am so exhausted by 99% of white men in education and 95% of white women. Where can I get a break from white nonsense for a while? And, th- and this is the thing that gets me. How does she get promoted by the Department of Defense, the woke Department of Defense, with all these tweets out there about her? They're all focused on anybody but the wing types. That's the problem. And she would have been in that position if nobody bought this up. This person with this outlook on life would have been in this position without these tweets being bought up by the media. What kind of vetting is that, Department of Defense? And I think she was in the Army, too. The woke Army? With all these new programs? You're letting these racists head your, some of your departments? Now, apparently it's under investigation. We don't know what's going to happen, but she's my loser of the week. Okay, let's go to the stock market. And it was another down week in stocks. Five out of the last six weeks have been down, and this week can be summed up by another 75 basis point increase by the Fed, and we should expect more. Now, look, we're in dark times here. There is nothing good that's going to come out of this stock market and come out of this economy. No one knows what's going on. No one has any indication. All the experts have been wrong. The experts are just BSing you when they say it's going to go this way or go that way. No one knows. And that's what the dangerous thing is about the markets today, everything. Housing's going to crater. I I don't see any bright spots. So let's go to today's results. Uh, The Dow was down 1.62% today, 29,590.41. And that was the lowest finish for the year. The S&P was down 1.72% to 3,693.23. And NASDAQ was down 1.8% to 10,867.93. For the week, the Dow was down 4%. The S&P was down 4.65%. NASDAQ was down 5.07%. For the year, the Dow was down 18.57%. The S&P is down 22.51%, and NASDAQ is down 
30.53%. Oil is trading at $79.43 per barrel. Gold futures uh, right now is at $1,651.71. And silver futures is at $18.83.5. The 10-year finished at 3.687%. I take that back. At 3.68%, while the two-year is finished at 4.2% which is a 15-year high. And again, this is an inverted yield curve, which indicates a recession. And Bitcoin right now is trading at $19,140.82. Ethereum is trading at $1,327. And XRP is trading at $0.50. And uh, one thing with the last time I checked GDP now, which is the uh, Atlanta Fed uh, estimate of what the third quarter GDP is going to be, they are estimating right now at uh, it's 0.3%, just a 0.3% increase in the GDP. Okay, let's go to the economic calendar. Skip Monday, go to Tuesday. On Tuesday, we have durable good orders, core capital good orders. Uh, We have the S&P Case-Shiller U.S. Home Price Index. We have the FHFA U.S. Home Price Index. We have Consumer Confidence and New Home Sales. And then on Wednesday, September 28th, we have Trading Goods Advance Report. We have Pending Home Sales. And then on Thursday, we have Initial Jobless Claims, Continuing Jobless Claims, Real Gross Domestic Product Revision, and Real final sales to domestic purchases. Then on Friday, September 30th, we have the PCE price index. We have the core PCE price index. We have the PCE price index year over year and the core PCE price price index year over year. We have real consumer spending, real disposable incomes, the Chicago PMI, the University of Michigan consumer sentiment, and the University of Michigan five-year expected inflation. And with that said, I want to thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next Saturday. Now, Donald Trump was speaking in North Carolina tonight, so I am going to leave you with a short clip of this speech. Again, thank you so much, and you have a good week. This election is a referendum on Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, the radical left Democrat Congress that's destroying our country, that's brought our country really to the brink of ruin. You know what's happening. You know it better. And by the way, did you see the stock market today? It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Markets years later and the markets lower than when I left it. I'll tell you, we had the greatest success in the history of any country. Since I left office, the price of electricity is up 19%. Gasoline is up 82%. Fuel is up 91%. Milk is up 22%. Eggs are up only 46%. Health insurance is up 24%. The 30-year mortgage rate has more than doubled. And real wages have declined 17 months in a row. Otherwise, we're doing quite well. Thank you very much. Household wealth fell by a record $6.1 trillion last quarter. It's a record. Never happened. The stock market has shed $7 trillion. 
in value this year. Think of that. How are your 401ks doing, folks? They must be beautiful. Must be beautiful. Mark, your lieutenant governor. How are the 401ks? Mark, not too good. Not too good. Over 5 million illegal aliens have flooded across our borders. And the number, I think, is a lot more than that. Drug overdose deaths have risen in North Carolina at a level that nobody's ever seen before, at least 26%. And the murder rate is the highest in 25 years, and probably the answer is 49 years. This choice this November is very simple. If you want the decline and fall of America, then you should vote for the crazy, radical left Democrats, and that's what they are. If you want to stop the destruction of our country and save the American dream, you must vote Republican.